Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's um, it's a hot day. It's the summer, so of course it is in New Orleans. But it's also raining, and and when it rains in New Orleans, it doesn't sprinkle, it doesn't drizzle. It's like the city is being driven through a car wash. And it's when you find, when one finds oneself driving through driving rain, and it's called driving rain because you're not supposed to be driving through it, but that's not why it's called that. Um, one starts thinking this thought, at least I did. You may have noticed, certainly hasn't escaped my notice, that this program usually originates more often than not from one of two places. California, just having emerged from five years of drought and looking at predictions of more drought-type conditions to come if this climate hoax thing works out. Already, the Colorado River, which supplies some water to Southern California, as well as to seven other states and Mexico, and by law, by treaty, sorry, uh, the water is divided up. Each, you know, Arizona gets a certain amount, and Mexico gets a certain amount, Nevada gets a certain amount, which I believe they gamble with, but I don't know. Anyway, there's not enough water in the river to satisfy all of those allotments. Tom? Allotments? That's correct, sir. So, basically, not enough water in California. On the other hand, here in Louisiana, whence this program, southeast Louisiana, south of the I-10, I, I point out, uh, whence this program often originates as well, we got way too much water. Just, I would invite you to look outside, but you're not in the building. Count your blessings. So, as I say, the thought occurs, Louisiana's got too much water. California is going to, if not already, not have enough. Wouldn't you build a pipeline connecting the two places? There's not even a mountain range in between. And, you know, ship Louisiana, you know, charge them an arm and a leg, sure. But, uh, you know, the economics of water in California are so strange anyway. Uh, federally assisted water has been given away to farmers in the Central Valley so they could grow cotton and rice in the driest part of the country, the hottest, driest part of the country. So, you know, the economics can be worked out. So that's that's one thought that occurs. And the second, which has occurred more than once to me, I have to admit, but I haven't I haven't shared it with you before. You know, the the brightest minds of our generation ladies and gentlemen, are being devoted to solving the most trivial problems. I mean, people are making major bank, you remember him, on figuring out how to get groceries delivered to you. Now, I wasn't around for this, really, but I've read enough to know that before the widespread appearance of supermarkets, your neighborhood grocery store used to deliver your groceries. So the, some of the brightest minds of our generation are literally reinventing the wheel as we speak, and getting incredibly rich, God bless them, for doing it. But, and of course, Elon Musk is going to populate Mars. But we're not solving, like, the big problems, like 
world hunger or anything like that, these these great brains, I would suggest, and I'm not going to put them on that assignment because I know how much good that would do, but um, I would suggest that uh, these these marvelous tech guys and gals, <laughs> th- this would be the next frontier. Make a smart machine that's really smart in the sense that when something goes wrong, it can tell you what it is. A self-diagnosing machine can't be that hard, can it? Hello, welcome to the show.
You know, the wacky thing is you may not have to explain to the kids what Woodstock was, but you might have to explain to them what a butterfly was. From New Orleans, Louisiana, I'm Harry Shearer welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now... News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Ebersol Jr. Well, two guesses what the name of the new hockey stadium, this would not be ice hockey, of course, at, in, in Tokyo for the Olympics is. It's the Oi Hockey Stadium. It's the Oi Hockey Stadium, and they're complaining about the heat and humidity there. So they're literally saying, Oi! Hockey teams from countries including India and Australia joined uh, Japan in a series of matches to test out the facilities and gain some experience in dealing with Tokyo's tricky summer climate. Temperatures yesterday reached 98.6 degrees. Hey, 98.6, but there were no reports of heat stroke on the opening day. That's to come. The teams benefited from a range of heat countermeasures, including water mist sprays and large fans on the field, and players moving inside and away from the sun during water breaks. Oh, yes, it was really rather hot, said the Indian women's captain, Rani Rampal. I think every player was getting tired very quickly, but in India, we're used to this. In India, it's really hot nowadays, unquote. That's because of the hoax. Uh, A Japanese player said the conditions could prove tricky for European teams next year. I've played in the Netherlands, she said. This is completely different from European climate. It's very difficult, unquote. Just wait. The uh, Tokyo governor cut the ribbon and praised the heat countermeasures. Today we use some mists, various ways of misting. We also have water hoses, normally used for agriculture, use for irrigation. So we're trying various ways of cooling. The water hoses, yeah. We will use the best methods of Tokyo 2020 to test those countermeasures, he said. I think test events are very important, unquote. That's right. Tests are the key to testing. The L.A. Times reports, that was a Reuters report. L.A. Times also points out the uh, concerns about torrid weather at the possible Olympics next year. Officials cut short one test event. The International Triathlon Union had to abbreviate the running portion of a women's test event as conditions reached an, quote, extreme level, unquote. Japan Times reported 23 people died and more than 12,000 were hospitalized for heat-related conditions in Japan during the week that ended August 5th. Roadways along the marathon course will be paved with a heat-shielding material, and curbside trees will be allowed to grow larger for shade. Heat alerts will be distributed by cell phone, this challenge will call on the best of Japanese expertise, said Takeo Hirata, a professor enlisted for help in Olympic preparations. And a worker at a Tokyo Olympics construction site died a few days ago after being found unconscious while working outside. Media said heat stroke was suspected. Soaring temperatures have killed at least 57 people across Japan since late July. Temperatures in Tokyo have clung above 88 Fahrenheit since July 24th. 
with the heat intensifying in August, the month of the Olympics, to daily high average of 94 Fahrenheit. But don't worry. It's the Olympics. It's a movement. And we all need one. Every day. Say, how are things going in the new Iraq, one might ask, if one were inclined to uh, bay at the moon from time to time? Um, And here is one answer. That new Iraq, you know, that we uh, were helping to build as a a bulwark of freedom and democracy in the new Middle East. Oh, what happened to that, too? A United Nations human rights expert this week called on the French government to repatriate and try seven French nationals who were sentenced to death in Iraq on terror charges. It's according to Agence France-Presse. That is a uh, a wire service run by... Uh, run by... Uh, <laughs> the French. That's correct. In a statement, Agnes Calamar, a UN special rapporteur on extrajudicial uh, summary or arbitrary executions, expressed serious concerns over the fate of the men. There are serious allegations, she wrote, that the sentences were handed down following unfair trials with the accused having no adequate legal representation or effective consular assistance. She said Iraq's legal system was, quote, marred by very serious structural problems, unquote. You're welcome. Hundreds of foreigners have been sentenced to death or life imprisonment in Iraq for belonging to the Islamic State. European governments have long debated whether and how to take back former fighters and their supporters amid a host of security, political, and legal issues. The seven French nationals were arrested by the Syrian Democratic Forces. When when was the last election they held? And subsequently transferred to Iraq in February, allegedly at the request of the French government or with its suspected involvement. Once in Iraq, they were reportedly subjected to torture or other ill treatment, treatment, according to the UN Special Rapporteur. In these circumstances, the transfer of persons who are rock for prosecution is illegal, she said. I'm particularly disturbed by allegations that France may have had a role in this transfer, given the risk involved of torture and unfair trials, and that they would likely face the death penalty, she added. She has written to the French Prime Minister with their concerns. France, as well as other European countries, have strongly resisted repatriating their nationals, suspected of having joined IS, but France is also staunchly opposed to capital punishment. It's a um, it's a contest of, of values for the French. <laughs> the French. But that's that's the new Iraq, ladies and gentlemen. That's 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 the model we uh, we donated out of the goodness of our hearts. And do they thank us? Are they grateful? Oh, and now. While many protests against the oil and gas industry focus on the effects of fracking on the environment, scientists now say that as far as groundwater is concerned, conventional 
oil and gas wells could affect the underground water supply much more than fracking could. This is from oilprice.com, trade of the industry. According to a recent study by hydrogeologists from the University of Arizona and the University of Saskatchewan, the amount of water injected and produced in the ground during fracking operations is smaller than the amounts injected by conventional oil and gas production. The amount of water injected and produced for conventional oil and gas exceeds that associated with fracking by well over a factor of 10, said one of the researchers. Fracking receives most of the attention, they say, but most of the bigger picture is associated with conventional drilling. There's a critical need for long-term, years to decades, monitoring for potential contamination of drinking water resources, not only from fracking, but from conventional oil and gas production, said the researcher. They analyzed information about water injection in western Canada, the Permian Basin, and the states of Oklahoma, California, and Ohio, as well as the amount of water produced by high-volume fracking throughout the U.S. What was surprising was the amount of water that's being produced and re-injected by conventional oil and gas production, said the researcher. In most of the locations we looked at, with the exception of California, there is more water now in the subsurface than before. There is a net gain of saline water, he noted. Well, that's got to be good, because you could you can float in it. If they could, the researchers found that due to enhanced oil recovery at conventional wells, that's called EOR, advanced oil recovery. You know, if you don't have initials, you don't have a thing. There's likely more water underground at oil sites, and this could change the behavior of all liquids in the ground. It would increase the possibility of contamination of the water in underground freshwater formations. Oh, but that's the least of our problems with the water. I got to say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's, you know, if I, if, if I could avoid at all consuming water, the waterless diet, I think, I, I, I think it's in our future. And I think if we were smart, it would be in our present. But now... News of the warm. Ain't gonna drink any water while I do this for you. I promise you that. Soft, listen to the warm. I lied. Speaking of water, the Gulf Stream is the warm current that brings the east coast of Florida. The mixed blessings of abundant swordfish, mild winters, and stronger hurricanes. But now it may be weakening because of the hoax. This according to the Lauderdale Sun Sentinel. Gulf Stream is visible from the air as a ribbon of cobalt blue water a few miles off the Florida coast. It forms part of a clockwise system of currents that transports warm water from the tropics up the east coast across the Atlantic, where it uh, moderates the climate in northwestern Europe. In the frigid climate near Greenland, about which more later, the water cools, sinks, and flows south again, rolling through the deep ocean toward the tropics. It's kind of like a cycle. And that cycle has reached its weakest point in 1,600 years, according to recent studies, having lost about 15% of its strength since the mid-20th century. Well, who didn't? Scientists disagree on whether climate change or natural cycles account for the slowdown, but a consensus has emerged that climate change will lead to a slower Gulf Stream system in the future. So don't count on floating your boats that way. In the future, as melting ice sheets in Greenland, about which more later, 
disrupt the system with discharges of cold, fresh water. <clears throat> Speaking of which, going to have me some of that right now. I lied to you. A weaker Gulf Stream would mean higher sea levels for Florida's east coast. It could lead to colder winters in the northern Europe. That's one reason scientists now prefer the term climate change to global warming. Where's your warming? It's snowing. And it could mean that a lot of the heat that would have gone to Europe will stay along the U.S. east coast and in Florida. You have a pileup of waters along the eastern seaboard of the United States and the Gulf of Mexico, says the director of climate science for the Union of Concerned Scientists. That means you have increased regional sea level rise just from that ocean circulation change. That's not good for New York City, Norfolk, or along Florida, she says. Your, slow, your cooling mechanism to get that water to the north is slowing down. The slowing down of your natural air conditioning by getting that hot water from the Gulf Stream flowing northward means you have that hotter water sticking around and not getting out of your region as fast. It's not clear how uh, any weakening has reached the system's southern leg off Florida, known as the Florida Current. One of the things that makes fishing so good there, the ability of the Gulf Stream to bring in migratory fish. The Gulf Stream helps summers in Florida from getting too hot and winters from getting too cold. The warm water provides a ready supply of fuel for hurricanes crossing its path. But it's weakening. Maybe some weight training for the Gulf Stream. Is that, pos- is that, a, is that a thing? And now, also news of the warm I don't know how much you followed the new president of Brazil, and I don't mean literally followed, that, that's costly, but uh, what he's up to. He's, uh, I guess, known as the Trump of, of Latin America because he ran on a pseudo-populist platform and uh, has been deregulating, and um, the deregulations he's especially fond of are the ones that have tried to keep further deforestation from happening in the Amazon rainforest. He don't like that. He wants he wants deforesting. He wants to he wants to reclaim the forest. And now he has a suggestion for his fellow countrymen. According to the BBC, Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro has suggested that people should quote poop every other day unquote as a way to save the planet. His comment came in an answer to a journalist who asked him how to combine agricultural development and protecting the environment. He's been under fire. Official data showed an increase in Amazon deforestation. He fired the head of the agency that reported the increase, accusing it of lying about the problem's scale. His comment came after the journalist quoted reports saying that deforestation and agriculture were responsible for a quarter of the planet's greenhouse effect. And his response was, quote, It's enough to eat a little less. You talk about environmental pollution, it's enough to poop every other day. That will be better for the whole world, unquote. Scientists do say the Amazon has suffered losses at an accelerated rate since Bolsonaro took office in January. His policies favor development over conservation. Brazil's space agency data showed an 88% increase in deforestation in June compared with the same month a year ago. The Amazon rainforest, not the river, is a vital carbon sink that slows down the pace of global warming. Official figures suggest the biggest reason for felling trees in the Amazon rainforest is to create new pastures for cattle. Well, I'll tell you what. This gives me an idea. 
Let's make sure if, if, if he goes ahead with that, that those cattle poop only every other day, huh? News of the warm, ladies and gentlemen, copyright feature of this broadcast. This is the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, with the aid of Ralph the Talking Computer, News of Dominion. God bless them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, 
and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. We're subduing it, all right. We're, yes, sir, we are. Just like you said. A, have you noticed you haven't seen any cave bear around recently? And by recently, I mean the last 20,000 years. A study, a genetic study, that is, has revealed that the extinction of the cave bears, they were prehistoric. But that's not a knock. I mean, it, you know, it's not their fault. Nobody was writing history then. They tried, but those damn paws got in the way. Anyway, the decline of that uh, prehistoric cave bear coincided with the arrival of guess who? Homo sapiens in Eastern Europe. The research is published in Scientific Reports. It blamed human activities rather than Ice Age cooling for the extinction of the herbivorous species. Yeah, they wouldn't even eat us, and we got rid of them. I hate those cave bear. They're munching leaves. Researchers reconstructed the past population dynamics of the cave bear by obtaining data from 59 bear caves. Well, of course the cave bear lived in bear caves. Where else? At uh, 14 sites in France, Germany, Italy, Poland, Serbia, Spain, and Switzerland, where the most neutral cave bears lived. The data revealed that the cave bear's population saw a decline around 50,000 years ago. That's the same time when we, the Homo sapiens, arrived in Europe. A major population decline began about 40,000 years ago as Homo sapiens spread across the continent, and the cave bear eventually went extinct. We got finally, finally subdued that sucker about 20,000 years ago. He, inha- he, the cave bear, that is, inhabited Europe in the Ice Age alongside the cave lion, woolly rhino, the woolly mammoth. You seeing a, a pattern here during the Ice Age? And the steppe bison with a, a second P and an E, not a bison that, you know, had dainty steps or anything. The bear was as big as a polar bear and was depicted in prehistoric cave paintings. So they tried to make some history. But uh, the cave painters, you know, they didn't write history. They just did cave paintings. There's more and more evidence that modern humans have played a determinant role in the decline and extinction of large mammals once they spread around the planet, they, us, starting around 50,000 years ago, said biogeologist Hervé Boucherin of the University of Tübingen. This happened not just by hunting these mammals to extinction, but by causing demographic decline of keystone species, such as very large herbivores, herbivores, that led to ecosystem collapse and a cascade of further extinctions. Thank God nothing like that is going to happen again because scientists have long debated whether the extinction of the cave bear was a result of cooling climate, the reduced vegetation, or of human hunting and encroachment. But the latest study discovered the cave bear's decline predated cooling associated with the most recent ice age. And he lives in caves. What's the problem? You go inside. You're nice. One of the researchers said the bear's population had remained stable during two long cold stretches and multiple other cooling periods. And you know what? The it, it's it's not just bipeds. It's not just intelligent bipeds. It's really us. Science scientists say that before the arrival of Homo sapiens, the cave bear's population had remained robust, even though it shared its territory with Neanderthals. And they went extinct after Homo Homo sapiens invaded Eurasia. If he says subdue, he means sub-friggin-do. 
dominion, ladies and gentlemen. We, they, he, he, it was given to us. We, we didn't ask for it. We didn't go down to the store and say, I'll have, uh, I'll have, uh, uh, I have two pounds of, of dominion, please. That wasn't us. It was like in a book and the thing and the thing. All right. Um, now we come to <laughs> the week in uh, <laughs> President Trump's world. It seems like it's this world, but it's really not. Um, first of all, before we get to that, it should be noted in the interest of journalistic accuracy, which you know I'm crazy about, that uh, former Vice President Joe Biden delivered no gaffes this week. He didn't call any city by the wrong name. He didn't call any British prime minister by the wrong name. So good on you, Joe. Keep it up. Now for <laughs> President Trump, um, he, he, in the same, in the same vein of giving credit where credit is due, this week he did not call any place Toledo, not even Toledo. He did um, call uh, in uh, Twitter terms, messaged. The uh, Prime Minister of Israel, Bibi Netanyahu, who is in the middle of a, a very, um, probably his roughest election campaign because he's already also at the same time uh, under indictment uh, for several um, corruption type things. So he's got he's having uh, not the not the easiest way uh, easiest route to uh, victory at the ballot box. The president, <laughs> President Trump, called on Bibi Netanyahu to avoid looking weak by banning two American congresswomen who happen to be Muslims, Ilad Omar and uh, Rashida Tlaib, from visiting Israel. Uh, the basis for that was uh, Trump, <laughs> President Trump, uh, said they hate Israel and all Jews. He didn't call for the banning of uh, the guys who marched in uh, Charlottesville and said Jews will not replace us. But I don't think they wanted to go to Israel. So there you go. Anyway, the two congresswomen were, were, had scheduled a fact-finding visit. They have uh, supported the divestment, divestiture movement against Israel, the, the boycott movement, that is to say, uh, because of Israel's continued treatment of the Palestinians in the occupied territories. And uh, then one of the congresswomen, Rashida Talib said she uh, one of the purposes of additional purposes of her visit was to visit her grandmother, and uh, then the Israeli government backtracked and issued a uh, an okay for her to visit her grandmother who lives in the West Bank on humanitarian grounds, but she had to sign a thing saying that she wouldn't advocate the uh, the boycott of Israel while she was on the trip. And uh, she accepted the offer and then thought about it and then said, I, this is, a, by the way, the only democracy in the Middle East and uh, stands for free speech, last I looked. But they just would have to say, no, not, not, I, I'm not going to talk about this at the present time. Thank you very much. Now, uh, maybe as a, um, you know, it's hard to know. Um, when the, the president is <laughs> President Trump is engaged in projection or misdirection in his uh, tweeting activities, um, but certainly it seemed like uh, 
A change of subject, to put it mildly, when it, it was reported later in the week that uh, he had discussed with his staff the idea of the United States buying Greenland. I said, buying Greenland. Well, it's it's not as messy as Puerto Rico, right? Um, and that uh, aroused a certain amount of uh, risibility in the public media. And so uh, late in the week, the word was issued forth from the residents of the occupant that... Uh, he was just joking. In short, this week, for the first time, the teams look beyond our borders. And for the businessman turned chief executive, it's becoming clear that foreign policy could be a game changer or at least a rain delay. Mike, my greatest secretary of state ever. Well, I'm proud to be the second, sir, and... Uh... I hope I won't be the last. I know. I know. People are saying you want to quit and run from the Senate and uh, wherever you're from. Oh, I am getting some pressure from the Kansas GOP, sir, but frankly, I'd, I'd much rather stay on your team. That's good. That's loyal. Loyal is good. You and I agree on that. You know what's important, though, Mike? Uh, what's that, sir? That I agree on that. Ah. <laughs> now, look, some very smart people have been briefing me on... Uh, resources and geopolitics and geo-everything else. I can tell you that. Yes, sir. These these are people from John Bolton's shop at the NSC? Actually, they happen to be interns at Breitbart. But look, here's the deal. Yes, sir. Greenland. The one we've heard of. The one that's up there looking over Canada's shoulder. You know it's bigger than South America, right? That's a threat right there. <laughs> Actually, sir, it's not bigger. It just... Oh, right. It just looks that way. You don't believe my lying eyes? <laughs> it, it's the projection, sir. Interesting. That's what Kellyanne's husband says about my tweets. I... Anyway, look. The Breitbart kids say it's got all this oil, timber, mm -hmm. rubber, mm -hmm. who knows what. Denmark's not doing anything with it. I mean, until Breitbart, who had even heard of it? Well, it's definitely an interesting piece look, of... Look, Mike, I'm an incredibly stable genius about a lot of things. But I really know something about real estate. I mean, this place is an island. Waterfront property around the whole damn thing. I guess the Danish forgot to get maps or something. Sir, I actually thought we could uh, spend a couple of minutes on this Brexit thing. Here's your story. We make a trade deal so quick with Boris, the likes of which the Chinese spin their heads at. Mm -hmm. But this Greenland thing... So here's your task for this week. Well, you want me to talk to the Danish foreign minister about selling Greenland? You're so damn sharp, Mike. I don't know where I'd be without you <laughs> and those Breitbart kids. Uh -huh. So right, talk to the Danes, put them at ease with a couple of Ikea jokes, then tell them we know that Greenland's a drain. If they don't sell it, the whole economy goes down the tubes. Tell them we'd be glad to take it off their hands if they just spend a little more on NATO. Better yet, a lot more. So, uh... So I'm going to offer the Danish government the opportunity to give us Greenland in exchange they'll pay more on defense. See, now you're thinking like a diplomat, not like that stupid Rex Tillerson. <laughs> you could tell him an idea like this, he'd sit there like, ah, duh. See, in a rally, that bit gets big laughs. Sir, this is probably a project best carried out closer to the time when uh, I decide whether or not to run for the Senate in Kansas. I thought we made that decision. In a way, I guess we did. So, can you do it? Well, sir, if not me, 
who. I didn't have the heart to tell him that uh, Ikea is Swedish, but maybe he really knew that. I'd like to think so. Baby, great connection. Mr. President, I don't want to boast, but uh, we have the best tech people in my country. Well, of course, you don't have the immigrants taking up all the good tech jobs. It's a disgrace. But listen, mm -hmm. you did a great job following my advice about banning the two disaster congresswomen from your, your wonderful country. Well, sir, I was getting uh, similar advice from my... Uh, and I don't know. I don't have the people to check, but I'm sure your numbers are going through the roof. I mean, through the roof. Like on fire, right? Well, we're not out of the woods yet. This is a tough campaign. Okay. Here's the story. Mm -hmm. Just for the sake of you avoiding looking weak. Here are some more of the disgusting people in my country you should ban from coming into yours. Well, I wasn't really... Nancy Pelosi, Rachel Maddow, Megyn Kelly... Uh, 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 sir, I didn't know Megyn Kelly was still in the air. She isn't. But like my son Don Jr. says, in the friggin' jungle, when you're down, they kick you so you don't get up again. That's how you get the tail. Egg friggin' exactly. And here's the big one. Mm -hmm. Oprah. <laughs> Mr. President, I have literally zero objection to you thinking of me as a part of your team, but Oprah seems a little too mm, uncontroversial to drag into all this. She's not uncontroversial when I get through with her. I'm just saying, you look weak if you don't tell all these leftist women with stuff on their heads or stuff in their noses or stuff in their wherever that they're not welcome to come into your fine country and try to stir things up. You know, Donald, honestly, I'm not sure banning these women is going to do much to help my campaign. Usually, members of my team don't turn down my tasks. If anybody found out, it might make me look weak. Maybe after I win another term. Kellyanne. Mr. President, tough week. Hey, your husband doesn't help. Nothing I can do, sir. Lifetime is already talking to us about a series. Lifetime? That's a loser network. <laughs> if I wasn't president, I could call my friends at NBC. That's okay, sir. You said on the phone you needed me for a special counter-communications task. That's right, I did, and I did, I do. Too big for the press secretary. Too big for the communications director. That's the same person. Bingo. So, this is for you. The story we leaked about my being interested in buying Greenland? Yes, sir. We all worked very hard to redirect attention away from the tweet about the congresswomen, and that certainly Don't did... be Mike Pompeo just phoned in from Copenhagen or Haman or Haven. They're not interested. So... Well, obviously, there's major face to be saved here. Kellyanne, you're the best. You read my mind like a friggin' mind reader. So... So, we do a super leak... And revealed that you were joking all along. <laughs> kind of throws my Pompeo under the bus uh, a little bit. But just between you and me, hmm. I got a hunch he's going to get up and run away before the bus even gets you. New team, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make making America great again, great again. Now, the world is his boardroom. The Presidentis, this week, it hurts even more not to watch. Slipped into the very too deep. 
trying to make some promises I can't keep. That's just me, I'm just saying. I got skin in the game. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. A lot to think about this week. Rainwater samples collected across Colorado and analyzed under a microscope contained a rainbow of plastic fibers as well as beads and shards. 
findings shocked U.S. Geological Survey researcher Gregory Weatherby, who'd been collecting the samples in order to study nitrogen pollution. My results are purely accidental, he said to The Guardian, consistent with another recent study that found microplastics in the Pyrenees, suggesting plastic particles could travel with, by the wind for hundreds, if not thousands, of miles. Other studies, as you know, well, we'll talk about those other studies in a minute. Major contributor is trash. According to a researcher at Penn State, more than 90% of plastic waste is not recycled, and it breaks down into smaller and smaller pieces. Plastic fibers also break off your clothes every time you wash them, says this researcher. I wonder if you don't wear plastic clothes whether that's still true. Of course, those leisure suits are sure good looking. Plastic particles are byproducts of a number of industrial processes as well. It's impossible to trace the tiny pieces back to their sources, but almost anything that's made of plastic could be shedding particles into the atmosphere, and then those particles get incorporated into water droplets when it rains, then wash into rivers, lakes, bays, and oceans, and filter into groundwater sources. Scientists have been studying plastic pollution in the ocean for more than a decade. They can only account for 1% of it. They know even less about the amount of plastic in fresh water. But wait, there's more. A new contaminant has turned up in western Lake Superior. I guess it'll be Lake Inferior pretty soon. Tiny snarls, tangles, and shreds of plastic appearing by the hundreds of thousands, mystifying scientists and Minnesota pollution regulators. The level of debris doesn't approach the soup found near Hawaii, the Pacific garbage patch. It does exceed what's been found in the North Atlantic, though. <laughs> the discovery has prompted researchers at the University of Minnesota Duluth to expand testing to other Minnesota lakes and the fish that inhabit them. The exact source, again, of the microplastics remains a puzzle. It's not clear yet how to gauge their impact on people, aquatic life, and the environment. And when it does become clear, it'll be too late. <laughs> it's on the earliest slope of emerging as an environmental issue, says a manager at the Minnesota Mike, uh, pollution control agency. And of course, we know they could survive indefinitely because plastic don't degrade. Don't do nothing but stay there. Tiny pieces of plastic have been found in ice cores drilled in the Arctic by a U.S. led team of scientists. Underscoring the threat, microplastics found in ice core samples. The researchers used a helicopter to land on ice flows and retrieve the samples during an 18 day icebreaker expedition through the north, Northwest Packet Passage. When we look at it up close and see that it's all very, very visibly contaminated, when you look at it with the right tools, it felt a little bit like a punch in the gut, said a graduate student researcher at the University of Rhode Island who conducted the initial onboard analysis of the cores. The plastic just jumped out in both its abundance and its scale, said Bruce Lu uh, Bryce Luce, an oceanographer at the University of Rhode Island. And what's one of the major sources of plastic pollution? Cigarette butts. They erode as they are uh, disposed of, not really disposed of, just thrown into smaller and smaller plastic bits, according to the York Dispatch. The uh, micro shards and uh, cigarette butts join the, the rest of the the stuff. For over 20 years, cigarette butts have been the number one debris item reported in Virginia during coastal cleanups, according to the executive director of Clean Virginia Waterways. And um, that's been borne out by a beach cleanup. In less than a mile of shoreline, over less than an hour, volunteers can pick up more than 3,000 cigarette butts, far outpacing the number of plastic food wrappers from a recent cleanup. 
as well as packaging and bottles. So there's the good news. <laughs> oh, you missed it. And now, the apologies of the week. Kittens and puppies, kittens and puppies, kittens and puppies. There's the good news. The family of the gunman in Dayton, Ohio, known as Toledo, who killed nine people, including his sister, have removed his glowing obituary from a local funeral home website and apologized this week for being insensitive and not acknowledging the terrible tragedy he created. In their grief, they presented the son they knew, which in no way reduces the horror of his last act. We are deeply sorry, said the family. The original obituary, I'm not going to mention the guy's name, described him as a funny, articulate, and intelligent man with striking blue eyes and a kind smile. I, I guess you'd be sorry. Texas police have apologized after an image of two white officers on horseback leading a handcuffed black man by a rope caused an outcry online. Galveston Police Chief Vernon Hale said the technique was acceptable in some scenarios, but that officers showed poor judgment. There was no malicious intent, and he's changed department policy to prevent the use of this te- technique. Coach and Givenchy both apologized this week for selling T-shirts that mischaracterized Chinese territories as independent countries just one day after Versace took heat for a similar design. The luxury labels each issued apologies on Chinese networking platform Weibo following criticism from netizens and their Chinese brand ambassadors. If you can't be an influencer, you got to be a brand ambassador. They were selling T-shirts were Coach and Givenchy that presented Taiwan and Hong Kong as independent nations. Oh, no, not that. Supermodel Liu Wen, a coach ambassador, distanced herself from the brand in a statement posted to Weibo. At all times, China's sovereignty and territorial integrity must not be violated. Well, of course supermodels talk like that. Norway's public broadcaster has apologized for airing a cartoon in which a Scrabble player forms the word, quote, Jewish swine. It's one word in Norwegian. Nine children with disabilities were stranded overnight at a North Carolina airport, prompting American Airlines to apologize. They were flying home from a summer camp when their plane had a mechanical issue in Charlotte. Who hasn't? Crystal jewelry maker Swarovski joined the foreign brands apologizing to China for implying Hong Kong was an independent country. Swarovski takes full responsibility and sincerely apologizes to the people of China, as well as to our collaborative partners and brand ambassador, Ms. Jiang Shuying who would be deeply disappointed due to misleading communication on China's national sovereignty. The company also apologized on Weibo in Chinese. A pair of Instagram influencers have come under fire after a video surfaced of the couple playing with holy water at a Balinese temple in Indonesia. Sabina Dolezalova and Zdenek Sluka from the Czech Republic said they didn't know they were at a holy temple when she... Uh, playfully slap water from a fountain onto his butt. And they shared the video of the moment with their some 85,000 followers. A Bali senator condemned the pair in a repost of the clip. The Bali senator accused the Instagram-famous couple of harassing the temple located in the Ubud Monkey Forest. We are so sorry about the video from yesterday. We dishonored the holy temple and holy water in Ubud, and we didn't know it. So we are so sorry about what happened and apologize to you, said Sluka in a video response. A voluntary contribution was proposed to the local village according to the manager of the influencers. Yes, 
influencers have managers. So let they, they can get ripped off too, see? And Denmark's prime minister issued an official apology this week to victims who suffered abuse in care homes during the country's post-World War II period. She apologized to the victims on behalf of Denmark for what she described as one of the darkest chapters in the country's history. I would like to look each of you in the eye and say the only right thing. Sorry, sorry for the injustice done to you and your loved ones. Those who are here and those who were and those who will follow on behalf of Denmark, sorry. Well, she didn't look him in the eye. She just had a press conference. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. gentlemen that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show the program returns next week at the same time on these radio stations and at the time of your choosing on your audio device of choice hey google tell alexa she's ugly and it'd be just like telling alexa she's ugly if you'd agree to join with me then would you all right thank you very much uh-huh a tip of the show chapeau to the san diego pittsburgh chicago and hawaii desks thanks as always to pam halstead and to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address to send feedback to me, M-E, the playlist of the music heard here on this program, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. Who else? Where else? All at harryshare.com. Or engage me on Twitter at the Harry Share. It's all about engagement, babe. Facebook apologized this week for freezing a local man's account after he posted an Air Force emblem as his cover photo. That's in Denver, North Carolina, near Charlotte. The Facebook Apology of the Week. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from the Crescent City.